Hello, everybody, and welcome again to Vineyard Community Church. We're, we're glad you're with us today here in Big Pine in uh, Key West in Ocala and Williston. Uh, if you're watching on the Internet, we're uh, just happy to have this time together. We're continuing on in our midweek uh, study on the kingdom of God. And we've been talking about, in all these weeks, the, and sort of setting the foundation theologically for uh, what the kingdom of God is, and we've said that, that it's central to the ministry of Jesus, that, that Jesus came teaching about the kingdom of God. From uh, the very first part of Mark, Mark 1, 14, 15, we see that Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is here. And so uh, we've been getting used to the idea of the kingdom is here, and yet we've also talked about the fact that the kingdom is not yet, that there's a lot of verses saying that it's, it's a, a future event. And so we're, we're, we're sort of... Uh, um, Living in the, in the presence of the future uh, at some level. This, this tension between the now and the not yet. We've, we've looked at uh, uh, the, the teaching that goes with it of two ages. This evil age and the age to come. And uh, uh, we've talked about living in the dynamic of those two things. That uh, this present age is evil. The age to come, the kingdom of God is not. It's perfect. And, and, uh, and so we look ahead to a time when Jesus comes back and sets that fully in place. But what we also know from our study in Scripture is that there's an overlap in the times. There's one that happens on the other side of Jesus coming back, the millennium. And there's one that's happened on this side uh, because Jesus has already come. And so he's inaugurated the kingdom. It's not fully here. It will fully be here when he comes back. And we live in that tension. And so um, we, we understand from our study as well that the power of the age to come has broken through, uh, not fully, but in part. Hebrews tells us in, in uh, Hebrews 6 that we've, we've tasted the power of the age to come. Um, the Holy Spirit comes when we ask Jesus into our heart and he lives in us. And, and uh, you know, in the scripture it says that he's a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. He's, he's uh, guaranteeing that the age to come. He's, he's uh, the, the vessel, the, the way that uh, we're able to operate in the power of the age to come, the Holy Spirit comes and, and uh, He brings that power into our lives, and so we're we're studying all these things, we're looking at these things together, and uh, and then looking at the implications of all these things, how this impacts uh, the way that we understand the Bible, how this impacts the way that that we live. Uh, in this present age, that, that we haven't just gotten to this spot where we've uh, gotten saved and now we're waiting for Jesus to come back and that's all there is. It's, it's no, that, uh, that uh, having given our lives to Jesus and, and uh, having accepted Him as the Savior of our lives, he, He's also the Lord of our lives and we're to come to Him as our Lord and say, you know, here I am, Lord, use me for the very thing that You have uh, created me for, to fill the purpose that You've given me. And so um, we're trying to look at how all this impacts our lives. And perhaps we haven't uh, looked at things in, in this context before, and, and hopefully it will change things. We, there's these two ages, this age and the age to come. Um, and, and so we need to, to understand that, that that's the dynamic and, and that uh, all the promises and all the things that uh, will, will be fulfilled uh, when Jesus comes back, uh, we've looked in, in our prayer and we, we've learned that we're to pray for the things of tomorrow, today. And uh, that's where our faith comes. God, you're going to do this. We know you're going to do this. Lord, do it now. And we begin to pray with those eyes and ideas. And we, we've talked over the last couple of weeks about the fact that we're in a conflict, uh, that there's a war going on, and that Jesus came and he exposed uh, what the enemy was doing. And, and uh, uh, the Prince of Peace brought war. 
And, and uh, we're at war with the evil one. It's very real. And, and uh, we've begun to look at the dynamics of that, and we'll look at it more in the weeks ahead. But it was important, I think, that we talked about the army, the armor that God gives us to wear in, these, in this battle, and, and another weapon that we have is prayer. And we talked about that last week. Well, what I want to do this week in the, the short time that we have together is, is to begin to talk about the parables. Because the parables are all about the kingdom. And you'll see as you read the parables uh, in, in the Gospels that uh, Jesus says the kingdom is like this, the kingdom is like this, the kingdom is like this. And he's introducing these concepts that we've been talking about, but he's doing them in the form of parables. Now, we're going to concentrate today in Matthew chapter 13. And so if you want to turn there in your Bibles, uh, or all these verses are on your notes. Um, we used, I think, front and back to get them all on there uh, of your bulletins. Uh, but you can look to there as well. Or if you have your Bibles with you, turn to Matthew 13. Um, but Jesus used parables to teach. And teaching in parables is like teaching in pictures. Uh, and uh, many people sort of think in pictures. Uh, and, and it's very difficult for a lot of people to grasp, grasp sort of abstract truth, um, which is very much a form of teaching that we do in the Western world. But uh, we always do better when truth becomes concrete. Um, for an example, we, we can try to de- define beauty with words, or we could point to uh, a beautiful person, or we could point to a, a beautiful sunset, and, and we could say, well, that's beautiful. And, uh, and then the abstract has become concrete from the person's point of view who's speaking. So uh, a parable doesn't tell... Uh, a truth to a person as much as it helps a person discover the truth and that's the idea see that's the that's the whole point behind teaching in parables it it uh, it helps a person who's who wants to know the truth to learn the truth and, and the person hearing the parables left to draw their own conclusions and make their own deductions truth which is uh, told and memorized is quickly forgotten truth which is discovered will last a lifetime and, and I, I think you, you can probably easily sort of grasp that whole concept that uh, uh, the things that you discover, the truths that you discover, you remember. But the things that we're sort of told to learn and, and, and try and memorize, those things really don't stay with us much. And so Jesus used this form of instruction to teach about the kingdom of God. And, and uh, remember, the people that were hearing him were living... Um, um, with a thought world where their prophets had told them that uh, there would be this glorious day when the kingdom of God would come. And when it would arrive, God would set up his rule and it would replace all other authorities and kingdoms. So for, for the Jewish person in the first century, this would be the single greatest event in history. And, and uh, they were waiting for it. The people of God had been established um, uh, as a people in the promise of Abraham, they'd been taken from captivity by Moses as established and established as a nation state under the rule of David. And, and the Davidic monarchy was the highlight of um, Israel. Uh, it was what they remembered because it was really sort of a, a picture of, of what it was like to live in the kingdom of God um, where, where they were just blessed and, and the people were blessed and, and uh, they, they were blessed everywhere they went and and uh, and then you know they they chose not to follow god and and they chose to sin and um they they lost that whole process and and now they were waiting for the kingdom back the promised kingdom they knew it was still to come isaiah had told them that, that the kingdom 
was to come. And so they were waiting for this to happen. And, and when John the Baptist came and he was preaching in the wilderness, he spoke about the coming kingdom of God. You can look at that up in Matthew chapter 3, verse 2. And, and uh, his listeners heard that, that the one who was coming would bring a twofold baptism. Um, first, some would, be, uh, would experience the, the rule of God through being spirit-baptized. Remember, the rule of God is the kingdom of God. We've talked about that. And then others would be baptized with judgment. That's what he's talking about in verse 11 when he's talking about fire. And so uh, later on, if you keep reading in that, uh, in that uh, gospel, um, John is in prison and he asks Jesus, he sends his disciples to ask Jesus if he's the one whom he had spoken about that was to come. Um, because he, 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 he knew he was, but he wasn't seeing the things that he expected. You know, where was the spirit baptism? Where was the judgment? And Jesus responded by telling and saying that, that the kingdom was here and, and, and in the things that he was doing and, and suggested that uh, John tried to look at the things that Jesus was doing to understand what the kingdom was about. And, and ultimately what he was saying is instead of a judgment on human institutions, namely the Roman Empire, the kingdom had come to attack the rule of the evil one. And, and so the Jews expected one thing. They, they wanted uh, Rome wiped out. They wanted uh, this to happen with human institutions. But, but Jesus delivered something else. And it's within this context that we have to look at the parables. Uh, and the parables in, in Matthew 13 present a, a reality of the kingdom now and a future reality. A present kingdom and a future reality. And so we're going to look at the, these parables in Matthew 13. Uh, there's seven parables we're going to look at just briefly. Two of them are concerned with judgment um, and, and something the Jews were looking for in the kingdom. And those two parables are the wheat and weeds and the net. We'll look at those in a minute. And the remaining five are concerned with the present reality of the kingdom which Jesus had come to bring to them. And they're the sower, the mustard seed, leaven, the treasure, and the fine pearl. So, so in the historical context of what the Jews were looking for, all right, uh, a time of judgment, and and this other time of, of uh, uh, spirit-led, uh, you know, spirit baptism and the rule of God. And Jesus gives them these parables to help them try and see if they had ears to hear what was going on. And uh, and so it starts in Matthew chapter three, you know, verses one through nine. Uh, that same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. And then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it didn't have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop. A hundred, sixty, or thirty times that would was sown. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And so, uh, to, to understand this parable, we have to understand um, that the, uh, in the first century Palestine, uh, that this was how seed was sown. Uh, they, they would sow the seed first, and then they would plow it under. Um, that's not how we operate today, but that's how it was happening in first century Palestine. And from what I understand, in a lot of places where there's a lot of poverty, it's still done that way. They scatter their seed and then they plow the ground under. And, and so um, what happened to the seed depended on the, 
soil. And yet, at, at some point, we need to understand that the most important thing is the scattering of the seed. And, and we understand that the, uh, the, the seed represents you know, the kingdom of God. The seed that's sowed is the kingdom, and it needs to be spread everywhere because uh, you know, there's opportunities in every place. Uh, and and uh, George Ladd said that the kingdom had come into the world to be received by some and rejected by others. And so the different soils talk about different things that happen. The path demonstrates that the evil one robs the seed before the plowman can turn it into soil to take root. Uh, and uh, that talks about the evil one's antagonism. The rocky soil represents those who reject the word of the kingdom uh, because uh, of the world with its tribulation and persecution. Uh, the thorns are a symbol of those who reject it because of the world with its cares and riches. And then uh, the good soil, lastly, denotes those who accept the message of the kingdom and produce fruit. Jesus is the sower uh, in that parable. The, 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 the seed is the good news that God's rule has come now. That's what it means, the kingdom. Remember, it's God's rule, his, his, uh, his, his rule, his, his power. And, and uh, it's here. And so the enemy will rob some um, uh, from this. Some will just reject it flat out, and others will accept the rulership of God into their lives. That's what Jesus was talking about in that parable in the kingdom. Then uh, the wheat and the tares is the next parable uh, in Matthew chapter 13. And uh, let's see where we can pick that up. He's describing the parable there. There we go. Hang on. All right, verse 24. Uh, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, the enemy came. His enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, don't, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you're pulling the weeds, you may root up the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. And so, um, uh, wheat and weeds are explained in verse 36. Let me, let me get there and, and read it to you. Then he explained, uh, and then he left the crowd and, and went to his house. His disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. And he answered, The one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. And the good seed stands for the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age. And their harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The son of man will send out his angels and they will weed out his kingdom, everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. So judgment and separation from the world is the main message of this parable. And remember, that that's what the Jews were looking for was this idea of judgment. And, and Jesus is saying it's coming, but it's not coming yet. It's, it's coming when he comes back. And uh, this parable has quite a cast of characters. The sower is Jesus. The field is the world. Um, some have tried to interpret that as the church. It's not the church. It's the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. The enemy is the devil. 
And the harvest is the close of this present evil age. The reapers are the angels. And uh, um, at the end of this age, what the parable tells us is there's going to be sort of humanity is going to be divided into two classes. Those that are in the kingdom of God and those who aren't. And, and uh, there's judgment on the ones who aren't. Again, that's why it's so important for us to, to be uh, witnesses, to tell people. Um, that uh, that there is a way out, that, that they're trapped. If the, there's two kingdoms. Those are the only two choices, the, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the evil one. You're born into the kingdom of the evil one. I, we talked about this this last weekend. Um, you're born into uh, that kingdom of darkness. Um, that's, that's sort of your birthright when you're born in here into this fallen world. And your inheritance is eternal death. But, but Jesus has come and inaugurated the kingdom so that, that we can exchange citizenships. We can, uh, we can get out of this kingdom of darkness and, and go into the kingdom of light. And it's done again by being born again. Uh, and so we're born into a new kingdom and we're given a new inheritance, eternal life. And, and then having received that inheritance, we're, we're to go and to do the things of the kingdom. Uh, to do the things that Jesus did. To tell others the good news that you don't have to be stuck here. We know from the parable, some will reject it, the enemy will steal it from it, but some will receive it. And, and, and that's what we do in this age until Jesus comes back. It's, it's all part of the process. It's what we're doing now. And that's what he's explaining in that parable. Uh, he talks about the mustard seed in verse uh, 31. And... Uh, 32, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all your seeds, yet when it grows, it's the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. Um, he, he was talking about the, the presence of the kingdom now and what it's going to be like when he comes back. It starts small like a mustard seed, but will grow into a large shrub. Uh, the present experience of the kingdom is only a partial experience of what it will be like when the future has completely arrived, the second coming of Jesus. But he's talking about that now, this tension. It's here, but it's not fully here. He talks about leaven in verse 33. And uh, he says this, The kingdom of heaven is like yeast... Or leaven that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. He's, he's talking here about the transforming power of the kingdom. Uh, the kingdom can transform society uh, in, in, uh, in general and individuals in particular. And, and you know, we can see these things happen. Uh, uh, you can often see this, this contrast uh, just in, in different uh, neighborhoods and stuff. And you can, you can see where, where the kingdom of light has had an impact and where the kingdom of darkness has had an impact. And you can, you can actually see the difference. And, and, uh, and yet he's saying that the, there will come a day when, when the, the kingdom will prevail completely and, and the whole will be leavened and, and uh, the evil one will no longer continue to rule. And, and that's what's happening. See, the, that's the leaven working through. And again, we're involved in the process by preaching and proclaiming the good news. He talks about the treasure in verse 34 of Matthew 13. He said, uh, uh, 13.44. Here we go. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought the field. Listen to the, the, the fine pearls in verse 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. 
uh, see, the, the idea is that the, the value of having God's rule is inestimable. Um, there's nothing better. When we figure it out, that, that, uh, uh, that, that uh, having the kingdom of God, uh, being in the kingdom of God is worth everything in our lives. There's nothing that could even begin to uh, compare to it. The, the kingdom should be sought over all possessions in life. You know, Matthew 6.33 uh, says, Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. All these things will be given to you as well. It's to be our primary focus. And, and both parables teach that central truth. The difference between them is that the treasure suggests that a person stumbled into the kingdom without really searching for it. When he found it, it was worth more than all his other possessions. And the, the fine pearl sort of talks about someone who was actively searching for the kingdom and finally found it. But uh, uh, both ways uh, are, are meaningful. And when they found it, they realized it was worth more than anything else. See, that's what we have to understand. It's, the kingdom of God is worth more than anything else. And there's nothing that compares to it. And, and it's worth all that we are and all that we have. And then the last of the parables in Matthew 13, 47 is the one about the net. And uh, he said this, Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was left down, uh, let down in the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but threw the bad away. This will be the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace where they'll be weeping and gnashing teeth. And again, it's talking about the, the future of the kingdom and judgment that will come when Jesus comes back. And, and and so all these things were to explain to his disciples what was going on. I love this last part because uh, I think it's, uh, it's hilarious. He says to his disciples in verse 51, have you understood all these things? And, and they go, yes. <laughs> and and uh, I just get the biggest kick out of that because I don't think they were getting it yet uh, just because of their actions in the in the days ahead that lied ahead in their ministry because they 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 still were waiting for Jesus to become king remember that was the struggle they had they were they were still looking for political uh, sort of uh, rise that that Jesus was going to set up shop and and uh, and that this whole day that they'd been waiting for was just about to happen and they they couldn't seem to get the fact that Jesus was saying look it's not that way it's, this is what's going to happen now when I come back, at the, at the end of the age, when the Son of Man returns, he, he kept telling them those things, but they just couldn't get the, the concept. And, 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 you know, maybe it was hard to see at the time, because there was Jesus. I mean, they, they knew who he was. They'd watch what he was doing. Here, was, here he was, this, 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 this day that they'd been waiting for, this great day of the Lord. Here he was, and they knew it, and they were like, come, when is it going to happen? And he would say, it's not for you to know. Nobody knows. And, and they didn't get the, the, the things that he had to do to set things in order. The things that he had to do. That he would have to come as a sacrifice. And that, that uh, uh, to defeat death, to, to uh, set everything in motion, to inaugurate the kingdom. And that it wasn't all happening on the same trip. And, and it was so hard for them to see until he left. And then and, and as the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them. And the, all these things then, I think, began to make some sense to them. And, and they began to understand what Jesus had been telling them all along. And it's a message we need to know today. It's, it's just as important today as it was then. The, the kingdom is here, but it's not fully here. Um, God has things for us to do to, to, because he is coming back. And when he comes back, the people that aren't in, it, it's too late. There's, there's only two economies, two kingdoms. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of the evil one. And when he comes back, which kingdom you're in is which kingdom you, you're in. 
and, and where to go with that understanding and tell people that there's a way into the kingdom of God. And, and, and some, the enemy will try and steal it away from. Some will reject it, but some will receive it and produce a crop in the kingdom, 116, 30-fold. And, and that's what we're to do. We're to be those who've, in good soil, received this message of good news. And now we're to produce fruit in the kingdom in keeping with the kingdom. Kingdom fruit is getting out there and living this thing among people. Looking for opportunities. Asking God for eyes to see the things that he sees. Doing the things that he's doing and thereby making making thereby making a difference in the world well um uh, that's all i'm going to do here today I, I did this everybody gets video this week i'm going to be out of town so uh for a couple of days and, and make uh, a visit up to ocala and williston and uh i'll be with the groups up there so i'll miss you guys here in big pine I miss you guys in key west and uh, uh and you know i miss you guys in ocala and williston when i'm not there uh, I love you all. God bless you. Who's ever running this meeting, uh, we'll, we'll pray for you in Big Pine. And it's Barry, and in, 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 uh, I think this week in, in Key West it'll be Barry, and, and uh, 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 Scott or Pam in Williston, and uh, Johnny and Allison in uh, Ocala. And so God bless you guys. Thanks for being here, and uh, I'll see you real soon.